0: The following is a feature podcast from Crime Network, where we spell crime with a Y. Discover new shows and top charting mysteries, all in one place. But here is the twist. We don't just stick to crime. Take a break and listen to comedy as well. Crime Network, your ultimate destination for crime stories and a much needed comedy break. Visit crimenetwork.com today. Crime with a Y. You're listening to Drowning Verdict. Be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform. We don't want you to miss out on an important case or update. If you haven't already, pull the trigger and subscribe.
1: Koberger's red right hand, talking about that here today on Drowning Verdict. So this Chip Mahoney, I want to welcome you to DV, which is my true crime podcast. I talk about fascinating cases just like this one, and I go more in depth with the case. So red right hand up top for high fives, to the side, down low. You're not too slow because you're joining me today. You might have found me on TikTok, I don't know, before it gets shut down or something, but I'm there. And you might've seen me there, but if you did go over to the crime network, that's crime with a Y, I totally recommend that. I'm there, other podcasts as well, big podcasts on the charts, and you can listen and read at the same time without interruption. So that's a good place to be, all that content for you curated daily crime network, crime with a Y. Otherwise, Drowning Verdict is featured on Spotify and you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts out in the podverse, the known universe where all that content swirls about. Well, I'm there to provide maybe a unique angle, a new idea, definitely a topic of combo to keep the conversation going on open and active cases, important cases just like this one. And I've titled it, Coburger's Red Right Hand for a few reasons. One of which is a Medium article that I wrote recently that I don't want to say it blew up or something, but for me, a thousand readers within a few days, that's pretty darn good. And they're interested in it. So you can check that link out, link in the descript and see if you agree with it, because it talks about his right hand, how it's a cupping form that I I break it down and I show pictures and I really just essentially put a K bar knife in his hand and I talk about that. So I'm going to talk about that more on this podcast. But the other reason for right now is that the red right hand, that's the theme song to the OG screen back in 1996, where you had inspiration from the uh, murders in the early nineties, which was the Gainesville Ripper. And I just think that this uh, thing, the Koberger case, is going to be a Scream 7 or Scream 8. Maybe it will be a stab movie. They'll bring it out of the fiction, within the fiction and make that movie. Something is coming because it's such a big mystery and what's it really all about? So I'm gonna talk about that and then some, but if you've heard me before and it wasn't just a drive by, as they say, you're pulling the crossover SUV back around, dropping the clip. Know that I appreciate that. I try to get bigger and better for you each and every time, often to give you a reason for being here. And I definitely definitely recommend following, um, thousands of followers now on social media, Spotify is a big follow as well. So consider that consider subbing there. And coming back for more because I am crime and commentary, but crime network does have some good stuff for you as well. If you like the narrative retelling of stories, you can get that on crime network. And also if uh, you're just need a break from all the crime, you can get comedy podcasts as well. We have comedy breaks on the crime network because let's face it, it builds up and it gets to you. Sometime you need a break, you need to lighten the load and that's what you'll get. So I really like that crime with a Y. Before I get into Koberger, the red right hand, some of the things that I'm going to point out today, whether you've heard episodes before, this is your first time. Before I get into that, I would just want to point out as well that this case is in Idaho. Lori Vallow is in Idaho. And the crime capital of the United States right now, It's either Idaho or Utah. And sometimes quite frankly, I get the two confused. Those, those states kind of are a blur for me. So I, I'm got to remind myself, like, where is this case happening? Is it Utah or Idaho? Coburger Idaho, Lori Vallow, Idaho, Chad Dable next year in Idaho. But there's one in Utah that's also kind of crazy. You can see on Crime Network, I've written about it on Medium as well. It's the Corey Richens case, the realtor, the mixologist mom who poisoned her husband with fentanyl, very nefarious situation, wrote a book on grief about it and got some of that, I guess, local attention, that local celebrity for her book. But really she's the one that put the guy six feet under. So these States, Utah and Idaho, there's so much crime going on there. I I have to ask myself why, what the heck is going on in these places? Because outside of South Carolina, it's the crime capital of the world. The true crime capital of the United States, at least. So much going on. And Koberger is just going to be the latest thing. That's kicking off more next week. Or by the time you'll hear this episode, it might be on the first day uh, when this episode does debut. It might be the first day that he's back in court. But it's coming soon to YouTube to everything else, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now I'm going to talk about the red right hand and some other points to consider. One of my main points that I've talked about since really two weeks out of this case, from whence it first had happened. So I talked about the body language. I think it's a good idea to check out that link, see if you agree with it. You get the pictures, you see the cupping formation in his right hand, you see the body language. I think it screams a lot. It screams like scream seven or scream eight or stab will be made because of the mystery. But why did this happen? I know the media likes to say things about incels and they like to say things about doomsday moms, but those are really just on the surface. But when you go below the surface, under the water, where you're drowning in it, and you really think about why, I think it is about rejection. And I think it's about rejection in a different way. I think it's projection upon rejection. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a lawyer, just a podcaster talking to you, just a guy in front of a girl. No, I'm kidding. But I'm just talking to you about this and what, what it really comes down to is I think that he had tried to be his best self. He had, he had gone 1500 miles from Pennsylvania to Washington state to the grad program there. And when he found somebody that I guess he wanted to be liked by, he found a way to get a window into the world, obviously social media. But I think these people gave a lot of access. I think you could just show up there on a Saturday and maybe step into a party. That's how you could just enter into their world. And I think he might've done that. And I said that before. But I don't think that they ever met. I don't think that they ever talked. And it was for one girl that they all died. I think he projected his best self upon her, but also projected rejection without even meeting her because his best self didn't have the courage to find out. So I think he went along this, um, I guess, transformation from his criminal study to being the criminal and taking the steps to do that. And I think that uh, he will be found guilty However, his defense is really good and they can absolutely poke holes into the tracking theory, at least. Why is he there? Well, I would say that the University of Idaho does have a psychology department, a grad program there. They don't have criminology, but maybe he was thinking about doing something else within the program and he was getting acclimated to student life, campus and so forth. He's only 10 minutes away. So everything that you wanna say is stalking, he's there for some other reason. And you can certainly poke holes into it. I won't go into the DNA or anything like that. I would just say that that's what his defense will work on. But I think it's about projecting the rejection, not actually being rejected, but thinking that I'm still not good enough. Lost a hundred pounds. I'm in the grad program and I'm still not good enough. And he's doing that to himself. And I think that's really part of the reason. And as I said in the Medium article as well, I think he was in there one for one, uh, two for one. And I think it came to three for one because the boyfriend was there possibly unexpected by the stalker, you could say, that maybe he didn't think that the boyfriend would be there. But I think that was the three for one deal. Because I definitely think it was one for one. The person who was her roommate who was sharing the same bed in the same room, I think that was part of the deal. That the person sleeping next to her, her bestie in the same bed, as they said, not separate beds. I think she was part of the deal as well. He wasn't who she was focused on to kill, but I think that's why the knife sheath lay where it lay because on the opposite side, it pointed to, to that. And And I've said that in some of the podcasts so you can check it out, but the red right hand, the body language says a whole lot and it screams his guilt. And you look at it, and I don't think that can be denied. I think he was in predatory mode when he was extradited, and he's in defendant mode now that we're looking at him in a suit. So there's a lot to look at here, but I don't think that you can say, oh, this guy's another incel. He's like the guy who did what he did in uh, Southern California in the Santa Barbara area, that uh, incident years ago with Elliot Roger, and I've said that one was about self-hate. I never said that was about an incel as well. I, I don't buy that stuff, that's self-hate. That's why his roommates were knifed to death over 80, 90 times about self-hate before he went out into the streets, before he went out to that uh, sorority house there in Santa Barbara area. So on this one, I think it's about the projection of the rejection and that's the reason why he's he's there. So maybe we will find out more about that because like I said, it's going to kick off here pretty soon. Maybe when this episode drops will be when he's back in court. And I think things are just going to pick up more and more. But what do you think about that? Do you think that he was there in the house before uh, this took place, that he was doing the stalking, which he wasn't checking out the University of Idaho. He was truly stalking one person, learning more about her routine, obviously see them on TikTok, see them on all social media access in there, seeing what the layout of their house looked like without even having to walk in there. But you could easily join one of the parties going on because if you are tailing them for a couple months at least, you notice when you're parked outside, Oh, there's a party happening. People are coming and going. And I wonder if he stepped inside late one night just to see if he could get a drink or something and to feel what it was like to put boots on the ground and walk the halls. Because he did walk the hallways. The bushy-eyed stranger in the mask did track through the hallways, leaving some impressions there. but. I really thought that he was uh, somebody that had been to the house before. And to me, that's why he was able to get in and get out so quickly, really within what, five minutes or so that four people were murdered. That doesn't happen unless you've been there before, you know the layout, you know the rooms, and you know where to go. So I kind of feel that at some point there was a party going off on a Friday or Saturday, night, and he was already in stalking mode, he is a student at Washington State, so he can kind of blend in, and I think he took that extra step to go inside, and I think he went from room to room, and maybe he went into somebody's room and could see something with their name, whether it was a photo, whether it was uh, the person's name on a dresser, and could identify it as their room, and he knew which room to start with. So yes, I think he was there before. At least the character, the killer in the movie that I'm not gonna write, but somebody's writing as we speak, that's what they're doing in the fiction, but this is real life. The original Scream was inspired by the the Florida uh, case uh, at the University of Florida, early 90s, known as the Gainesville Ripper. I have talked about that. But it was originally inspired by that. So now in this art-life connection, things are coming around after so many years. And here we go. And I predict it's going to be Stab. And it's going to be the not fictionalized version within the movie, but it's going to be the real one. Something like that is coming. What do you think? Any thoughts about it? Check out the Medium article. Check out Crime Network. Come back for more. I'll have more for you. But for now, I'm out probably taking a little bit of a summer break. I hope you have a good one. Please sign my yearbook. I hope you have an awesome summer. Stay cool. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Good night.
0: Thank you for joining us on this gripping journey into the world of true crime. New episodes of Drowning Verdict are released every two weeks, so pull the trigger and subscribe if you have not already done so. Don't forget to catch Verdict Friday, our exclusive video show every Friday, where we dive deep into the most talked about cases. Your ratings and reviews mean the world to us. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, please take a moment to show your support. Every like, share, and review helps us continue bringing you compelling content. Until next time, stay safe out there.